Uh, I, I'm sure that for the committee, the selection process, it was really easy, nothing to it, ho-hum, and <laughs> no controversy at all, right? Matt, I tell you, I, our committee chair, who's a great man, Jeff Altier, I think he said it very well yesterday from the standpoint of we just didn't have as much data this year as we've had in years past. So um, I, I think that the committee are made up of really super responsible people who take it seriously. They they know that, you know, I mean, let's be honest, this is, this is the lifelong goal and, and career, not only coaches, but but student athletes, there's a lot on the line, and they all know that. They respect that, and they want to, uh, you know, they 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 want to do their very best. So, um, yeah. was it perfect? No. Were there some unfortunate circumstances? Yes. But for the most part, I, I think it's a, a pretty darn good feel. John, for you personally, serving on this baseball committee, the selection committee, like this, is this the first time for you, or have you done that before? No, I've never, this is the first year. My first year was actually a year ago, but obviously we went through the cycle and did not have yeah. mm-hmm. a, a conference season or a uh, postseason. So this is my first year to be in the room um, when the, the field was being created, and uh, it, it was really a great experience. Although, you know, there were times I was in the room, there was times um, because of a conflict of interest, you know, I, I was forced to refuse myself and walk out. Um but yeah, very, and, and I and I hope that continues to happen because the, the reason that happens is because Mississippi State's in the mix. So yeah. when Mississippi State is being discussed or things that could indirectly affect Mississippi State, obviously I have to leave the room. Gotcha. Um, in, in terms of how states regional uh, happened, and with VCU, Campbell, and Samford uh, coming in there. Once you saw that that was going to be the field coming to start, well, what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, my first was, oh, my God, Stanford destroyed us like 10 <laughs> years ago. I remember that clearly, you yeah. know, down at Florida State. Um, they, they can really hit. They're very well coached. And I'm thinking, my God, they have to be like the fourth or best four seed, fourth or fifth best four seed in the entire tournament. There's 16 number four seeds. I would put Sanford up against a whole lot of them. They're, they're really good, and that's not traditionally who you see in your ballpark as a four seed. Um, I thought Campbell, I, I can't remember the exact number, they won 23 in a row. I think um, it was, yeah, I think it was VCU that won VCU's won twenty Right, they've won 23 in a row, and mm-hmm. I, I've watched Campbell play a ton this spring on television. They're really good. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think if you add the RPIs of all of them together and you divide it out, I, I think it's either I think it's the second or third best region in the entire country. It's a question I never so thought. That I'd was ask my immediate you. thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was a heck of a di- question I never thought I'd ask you, John. Are live camels allowed on campus? I, I'm really only halfway kidding. I don't know if they have a live mascot at Campbell or not. To be honest with you. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'll tell you this much. These, cam, <laughs> these camels can hit, they can throw, they yeah. can defend. They have real arms. And just because it's not a name that we've traditionally heard a lot, that doesn't mean they can't play. And I, I'll tell you what, you know, the casual baseball fan out there probably thought that the Stony Brooks had no shot when they went to Alex Box. Mm-hmm. But the people in their dugout thought otherwise. So, just because you're not familiar with the name doesn't mean they can't play. 
Or, or like when Coastal Carolina made it to Omaha, a lot of people thought, oh, that's cute. That's a neat story. Coastal Carolina made it to Omaha. Um, about 10 days later, they won the whole thing. I mean, and if there ever was a that's baseball, we got plenty of those types of examples, don't we? That's baseball. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because there's just a tradition that's happened to me 100 years ago. I leave high school. I'm five foot nine, five foot ten. I weigh 155 pounds like every other person in the country who's graduated from high school. And then two years later, I'm six one and I weigh 200 pounds. You know, it just <laughs> that happens. It happens a lot. Um, boy, I don't sure. even want to mention my name with David Robinson in the same sentence because it's that's ridiculous. But you know, there's a reason why at a high school he ends up in the Naval Academy and then he ends up being arguably one of the greatest players in NBA history, the, the, it, things can change to the male body from 18 to 22 years old. And the, the kid who was throwing 84 is throwing 94. It happens, and it's hard to predict who that's going to happen to. And a lot of these teams are successful. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a better group of 120 schools to be considered than what we had this year because of the age as well. You know, when you look at the average, uh, Indiana State's one of those teams. I have to look at Indiana State's roster. You know, they, I think they have nine kids on the roster who are red shirt seniors. You never see that in baseball. Right. And then they have a group of five or six red shirt juniors. You know, mm -hmm. so COVID gave the extra year. There's a five-round draft from Major League Baseball, and here we go. All those kids who are going to be Six through fifteenth rounders who are going to sign as juniors all came back. And by the way, Mississippi State had had two two of those juniors, and they were first rounders, and they didn't come back. And now we're playing, you know, two guys in the middle who had never played one inning of SEC baseball before this year. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the kinds of things that are important to recognize as well. For sure. Well, and I just, John, I mean, I look at Tanner Allen at Mississippi State, the year he's having this year. I look at Tim Elko over there at Ole Miss, the year he's having, you know, a Nikhazy on the mound for them. And, and it just shows you what, when you pile up experience on the back of a guy who's got ability and you just pile up years of experience, those guys, they, they're cut above. And a, and a big reason is that experience, isn't it? It really is. And, Listen, sometimes the reason you have that experience is just out of sheer luck. Tanner Allen, just as an example, I mean, he's going to be a top five round pick last year, except he hurts his hand early on. The scouts don't get to see him because the, the season is canceled. And Tanner Allen flies under the radar. I, I mean, I think if, if you had to ask anybody on our coaching staff how big it was to have him come back, they knew well before he was the player of the year in the SEC. I mean, it's a huge deal. Tim Elko is, my God, what he's doing on one knee is incredible. He, he's mm -hmm. one of the best hitters in college baseball, and the maturity and the grit and resolve he's shown is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, those are probably the guys who, who don't come back in a normal draft year, but it, there's nothing normal about that year. So, yeah, I mean, there's some special circumstances that, that allow them to, to be back playing for their teams. Sure. John Cohen on your radio. Uh, if you're just tuning in, he's the athletics director of Mississippi State, and he's on the baseball committee that filled out the bracket um, that, that you're seeing now that's headed into the NCAA tournament. Some teams in, some teams not, and and different teams going to this regional, that regional. Uh, John, 
elsewhere in the SEC, I look at Alabama getting in. And now, no easy task. They got to go play in Ruston, really good baseball team, especially down there. But when, when the people in the room and everybody was looking at Alabama, not only, you know, the resume, but I, I'm just, I guess what I'm driving at is did those two wins at the SEC tournament, you think that's what put Alabama over the edge possibly? You know, I was watching the SEC tournament, and Alabama does have two wins. Of course, one of them is against the number three seed overall in the tournament, Tennessee. They beat Tennessee twice, which I think yeah. was a factor. You know, here, here's what I'm going to say. Alabama was a 31 RPI when we were making decisions. And if Alabama's not in the field, we're going to go from number one all the way to 40. Yeah. everybody getting into the NCAA tournament except number 31, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, when you, you look at their resume against some of the others who are in the 40s, you know, you're using the same data points that actually make up the RPI. Mm-hmm. You know, who did they beat? You know, not necessarily when, when did they beat them. I, I know Alabama struggled down the stretch, um, but I will say – the RPI doesn't care when you win or lose games. Is it a factor? Yes. Is it the factor? I don't think so. I think it's an overall body of work. And Alabama's overall body of work, which is reflected in their RPI, uh, to me was worthy. Um, you can put them side by side with five or six other uh, um, you know, schools that, that we had in consideration. Um, I, I think there were a lot of schools that had really, really strong um, consideration, but I, I think with where Alabama was, I, I truly believe they were a tournament team, especially with you know the fact that they they won fourteen SEC baseball games. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, field coming to start with this weekend, I know it all gets started on Friday, and and am I right, John? The home the host team can choose. Is that true? The host team can choose which of those slots, the 2 p.m. or the 6 p.m. you want to play on Friday. I'm not familiar with it. How is that decision made? Yeah, well, you get to request. You get to make that request. It's not always granted, but you get to request it, and I think a significant amount of time it is granted by the NCAA. Okay, gotcha. How do you feel about it, uh, playing that early game on Friday? Well, there's, there's only one reason not to do it. And that's, I, I, I do recognize that it can be inconvenient to our fans. So if you're playing an afternoon game, people have to work for a living. It makes it more difficult. Um, I know kids, I don't know, are kids still, still in school, Matt? I, I don't, I, my kids are older, so I can't remember if school's yeah. still going on, but I think most of them are out. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I guess that helps, but it, it is more inconvenient for our fans and we're apologetic. But outside of that, there's no reason not to play the first game. Skip Burtman was the, the first guy who really started doing this, um, mm. I think, in the 90s and into the 2000s, because, you know, you, you want to take BP on the field. If you're playing the second game, you can't take BP on the field. You're not, you could, but it's just not guaranteed, right? Uh, right. You've got a better chance of having to play two games on Saturday the next day. Uh, you have weather issues and everything else. If you play that first game, and this actually happened to us back in 2016, you play that first game and you get it done and you have, if you're fortunate enough to win that game and that next game gets rained out, now you're going to play somebody who's going to have to play a double header the next mm-hmm. day before they, 
and they're going to play before they play you, probably in really warm weather. You get to watch game two. If you're playing in game two, you don't get to watch game one because, Matt, you're you're getting your team prepared to play in game. Uh, You're preparing your team to play while game one's going on. Once your game is over, you get to watch game two. You get to chart it up. You get to watch everything up close and personal. But again, if you're in game two during game one, you got BP, you got ground ball work, you're going over the scouting report with your players, and now you've missed most of game one when you had an opportunity to scout. Um, You know, the longer rest time, no matter what. I mean, your kids automatically, no matter who they're playing, have a longer rest time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the fifth thing really is you know exactly what time your game's going to start. When you're on the back end, you just have no idea. You can have extra innings. You can have rain delays. And listen, the thing that 18 to 22-year-olds crave, all of them, is predictability. That's, <laughs> you know, when you flip the script, uh, switch uh, the script on them, all of a sudden – you know, now, hey, you're going to have to wait now. Hey, you're going to have to wait two more. I mean, it just can play with the emotions of kids. And these are young people. So really the only reason not to play the first game is because you're fans. But I think our fans understand that, man. And I think our fans want to have the best advantage we can possibly have. <laughs>